Not worth the time with Wade Taylor. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Not Worth the Time. We're here. We're gonna do it. That's it. That's become the unofficial opening of the Not Worth the Time podcast. Is we're here. We're doing it. I, I don't even know why I have to say that. I'm just psyching myself up to do this because uh, I had to. I had to kind of psych myself up to get into this this time. Um, mainly because I'm just. Uh, I feel like I don't have much to talk about, and that was the problem. I was like, well, you you can ramble. You can ramble for a little bit. It'll be fine. And I just didn't want to leave you guys, the the faithful listeners and watchers of this program, without a podcast. Because I can't be one of those guys. Like, I've seen, I have people I really like that uh, do shows and put out podcasts and video forms and all sorts of different things. And uh, I get a little sad. I won't say I get mad um, that they don't post it on their regular schedule if something happens. But shit happens, you know. But I get sad, and I don't want to make you guys sad because I'm being lazy and watching the Dallas Cowboys-Colts game. I don't even like any of those teams. But I'm going to sit there and watch that game rather than do this show that you guys are looking forward to on the every bi-weekly basis, you know? I can't deprive you of that. That would be shameful on my part. So I'm here trying to do my best by you to entertain you in whatever capacity. Yeah, do you like that grandstand <laughs> there? Ooh, man, did I make this sound important. I'm drinking beer and talking to myself. Yeah, oh, it's real, real fucking doing some cool shit over here. Nah, yeah. It kind of leads into what I thought I'd talk about today. It's just that that's the downfall of being a tryhard, you guys. It's a downfall. It's uh, you, you set up these boundaries about how you want to make sure you're doing the best and you're uh, the most optimal, and even just putting in the effort, even if it falls short, that's what you want to do. That's what I think of a definition of a tryhard is, and that's what I am. It's been instilled in me, ingrained, just completely programmed into my brain that I have to try 110% on everything. And it's not necessarily a bad quality everybody always talks it up about how it's such a great quality to be someone who tries really hard and gives effort and it is to a point and then uh nobody talks about the downsides uh i feel like for being giving forth your maximum effort at all times there needs to be like one of those drug commercial warnings at the end that tells you all the side effects that come with it Holy shit, dude. Sometimes I feel like there's just a never-ending task, and I'm just always trying to put my foot forward, and I just can't get there. Hey, yeah, I've harmed myself, dude. You know, it should it, it should come with that drug description, you know. Side effects of trying extremely hard might be uh, injuring yourself, burnout, uh, and make alienating loved ones to do a pointless project. <laughs> Spending money you don't have on a project that won't go anywhere. These are all things that will turn into a tryhard. Spending years of your life dedicating yourself to some kind of uh, form of art or athleticism that actually doesn't pan out. Try hard. Try it today. <laughs> Yeah, I just needed one of those. You know, it, it's just selective. I just need to be better at selecting what I put my emotional and physical energy into. And I think everybody is that way. We all uh, kind of get wrapped up into that. I know I, it's, I'm just speaking for me, I guess, today. is I definitely get wrapped in, in that. And I um, 
tend to really want anytime I agree to anything, I just immediately latch on. And I gotta just like fucking like, okay, if I'm I said I'm gonna do that, well now I gotta put forth a hundred percent effort into that. And that's all I can think about or do. And um it's good for that thing, I guess, at the time, but if it's something that's not really gonna benefit me long term, I've basically segmented a giant portion of time and thought and energy into that thing and uh, probably neglected something else that could have been a way better investment long term, you know, but that's also where risk comes into uh, that, you know, I don't know. It's just, I just know being a tryhard has even come at my physical health before you guys. It's so ingrained in me. Like, I don't know if I've ever told this story, and if I have, I apologize, but I'm going to tell it again. Uh, when I worked as an event coordinator at a, at an arena, we worked back at house all the time, and it was weddings. I did a lot of weddings, which always sucked, but uh, you would have to carry, I'd help out the servers and the dishwashers by carrying trays of dishes and stuff, which was a crazy time for me because I never worked in the food industry and I kind of got thrown into the food portion side of events when I got out of college and that wasn't something I ever thought I would do but I got thrown into it and had to kind of learn this what ropes on how to do serving techniques and what was crazy is not being a trained server trying to learn how to carry a tray of like full of dishes or food it's harder than it seems. Uh, it's nuts the amount of trays I had to learn how to move. And I'm honestly pretty pumped I never dropped any. It's, it's fucking astonishing. I have a perfect record as carrying dishes over, okay? But one time I had to be a tryhard. Was uh, carried some dishes in the back. You know, it's a bar for a wedding. So there's rocks glasses and beer glasses. So I'm just bringing back tons of dishes. So my dish guys can kind of like try to get some back out we have like plenty but like we're trying to stay on top of it so by the end of the night there's nothing to wash it's already heading towards the wash you're done you know that's the the routine and i'd help them out i got behind back at house all the time uh i was one of those managers where i just i didn't know how to manage at 23 years old shocking you mean you didn't know how to work with people wade you didn't know how to take reins of an of a staff and just go ahead and do it you just jumped in and did stuff with them yes yes i did <laughs> oh i just jumped right in i was helping do dishes and do a breakdown and we're in the middle of doing what we're doing and somebody bumps the table and i see a rocks glass start to fall off the table right and i'm on the side where it's falling off and I died for it. It was straight baseball instincts. Just ah, full extension trying to make the catch so this glass doesn't break. And I fumble the fucking f catch, you know. That's why I never played football. <laughs> because I would have made a terrible receiver. And uh, I guess I could have played DB because I didn't make the catch. I just knocked the, the, the glass down, I guess. But it shattered everywhere. And I slid on my knees trying to catch it. And, of course, where the glass broke, I actually got a fucking shard of glass like that long into my fucking leg. Like, just the front part of my calf. Uh, so I got to go home after that. That was cool. You know, I just let my other managers have to deal with the rest of that fucking fiasco of that night. But that's where getting a tr being a tryhard can hurt you. That's all I'm saying. You know? Um, 
I was always told you have to give 110% all the time. Sorry, I'm getting a hair out of my fucking mouth there. If you saw that on the camera, I apologize. I just had to get the hair out of my mouth. But uh, they never teach you how to turn that off. It's like I heard Mike Tyson say in an interview, not that I'm comparing myself to the great one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, but I remember him talking about how they his coaches were just trying to make him like a killer. They wanted him to just be in that mindset all the time that he was the best, the baddest, and he was a fucking killer, right? Um, and then once he quit boxing, no one ever taught him how to turn that off. And he kind of had to learn how to do that. Um, I think that's a thing that happens more often in our society than anything. That's probably what happens to people in retirement. I think that's, um, you know, you just work constantly for all those years. And also, there are studies that show that you should keep working or doing things, you know. Keep keep your goddamn uh, brain active, you know. Learn another language. Keep learning. Always reading. All that good stuff, you know. You got to stay, keep the brain going, keep it moving, as they say. Um, there's plenty of stuff to show that. And there's people who work that, like, want just a, a task to do and something to look forward to, and it's a responsibility, and that helps. But I also think people le don't learn how to, like, turn that off, to, like, scale it back from going go, 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 go all the time to now being like, oh, I can have downtime. It's okay. It's okay to have downtime. I have that problem now is like a 31-year-old man. I have a problem with being like, oh, I'm just sitting here doing nothing. I should probably like, I don't know, like clean my bathroom or something. <laughs> it always ends up me like, I should just like clean my apartment, uh, <laughs> which is a good thing, I guess. But it's also like weird that I don't like just relax. I have to be around other people to relax, to just sit and do nothing. Uh, I feel less bad. I can sit in a room by myself and criticize the living shit out of myself for not doing anything productive just being like you're not doing anything right now dude you're just gonna sit here but if i go over to some buddy's house or my girlfriend's house and we just sit there and watch movies which i could have done at home by myself i don't feel as bad and i think it's because i'm my brain's telling me well you're spending quality time this is the thing you're doing it's quality time so it's okay to just sit here and do this i'm like okay yeah that's good but if i'm by myself like just Watching a movie or watching TV with myself, my brain's like, you're a fucking loser, dude. Get so Do something. F figure it out. And that's my shit. But yeah, try hard. <laughs> it's got a lot of side effects that I feel like people don't get into. But whatever. Whatever. I guess let's get into some more funny stuff, huh? Let's. I, I haven't done this the past couple weeks, but I liked the first time I did it, so I'm bringing back this segment. It's the... Random word generator, you guys. We're going to do the random word generator. And I got three words already pulled up here. The words I have today are diet, auction, and ratio. A pretty good one. Now, the first thing I thought of when I saw the first two words, diet and auction, this is where my brain took me, right? I like how I'm basically doing improv even though I don't like improv. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I've spent all these years shitting on improv, but here I am literally doing what they do to set up a scene <laughs> for a group of trained people to make things funny. And I'm like, I can do this by myself on a podcast. <laughs> Fucking moron I am. Um, but I thought how funny it would be is there's an auction site uh, ran by the government, right? Government runs an auction site. 
which they do actually. You can buy uh, old vehicles and uh, some military equipment actually from auction sites of the government. I haven't checked that out in a while. There's some fun things you can find on there. Good, good buys <laughs> on that. Uh, I think we reviewed that either on Who Gives a F or Not Worth the Time. One of these two podcasts I know uh, I went through that whole auction site. But anyway, government ran auction site and you have to uh, bid for not only your diet, the type of diet you get to have, you also have to bid for the ratio of proportions you get. So, I'm talking about like a literal Hunger Games auction, you guys. So, you know, if you want to be a vegan, there's only going to be so many vegan dietary options and also so many ratios uh, that you can get, you know. And so, you're going to have to bid for it. You're going to have to pony up for that auction of that type of diet. See, and uh, I would be very interested to see how that would go if there was an authoritarian <laughs> government that decided to go, well, if you want to be a certain diet, uh, you have to bid on that. Man, it would it would seriously hinder the amount of O-linemen we have in this country. <laughs> the amount of O-linemen that are coming out of Iowa and stuff like that would be very small. It might cause Wisconsin to lose some weight. Some some of those uh, Wisconsinites need to just like uh, slim back on the cheese if they have to bid for the cheese diet. You know, uh, it. I just wonder uh, what would be the most bid bid after diet. You know, like would it be just a standard uh, food pyramid diet? Would that be the most common? Because my people are like, well, I want a variety. Or would pe- or would people go for the there would there be a higher vegan? I just want to see if the vegan people would have to, would be willing to do that if they had to literally buy it and they were supplied the vegan materials or the vegetarian materials at that point. See that, and that's what would create like a Waco situation. Is like some vegetarian would start his own garden and be like, "I don't need the ratio and diet from the from the government in my in my uh, little scenario here." <laughs> it's like I'm just gonna grow my own vegetables, and now I have my own supply. And that's when they're gonna come in, like, "Sir, put the vegetables down. You are not. You are going above your ratio of food that you're allowed to have." He's like, "But I give it to my neighbors. You're giving un." FDA-approved food to your neighbors. <laughs> That'll be a scary time if that ever happened. If, like, they started regulating garden foods, what you can grow in your backyard and stuff like that. Because I know so many people who like to do that. My my uh, my parents and a couple of friends I know in their neighborhoods even do, like, a community garden to help, like, with food costs, you know? Like, and it's a great way to do that. If you can get like 10 or 15 households to just like pitch in to like help work on a community garden and you just all split it it's like it's a great way to do it plus all the veggies are fresh it's so nice it's such a pleasant way to deal with uh with your vegetables because like i i get them from the grocery store you know still because i don't have a way to grow anything i live in a fucking apartment but if i did i would want to try to start growing a garden at least just the things i like I have a very limited number of vegetables I really like, um, but I could easily grow them uh, and have a good supply of them and make salsa, make some salsa. Nothing wrong with that. Making your own garden salsa, homemade salsa is the shit, man. Yeah, and I know there's some people out there like Wade. You probably you're 
your parents probably make white people salsa. And you'd be right. It's it's not very spicy. I would like it to be a little more spicy. I don't want it authentic spicy, though. I'll, I'll say that. I remember going down to this Texas restaurant when I was, like, 13 or so. I was visiting my mom's family, and there was this hole-in-the-wall Mexican restaurant that was uh, ran by these very lovely couple, and they were just the sweetest people. And my uncle got to know them very well, so that's one reason why we'd go there, and they had fantastic food. But he knew them well enough that he was like, hey, will you bring out the hot sauce or bring out – bring out the salsa and they were like oh they were like oh timmy are you sure you want want to bring that out and they're like yeah i'm gonna have my nephews try it like okay so we played a game where you had to dip in the salsa bite the chip right and then see who, who could go the longest without taking a drink and my god this might have been one of the hottest goddamn things of salsa I've ever tried, dude. It was terrible. I'm surprised their food was. This shows how good of cooks this this uh, husband and wife combo were. That I could still taste the food after <laughs> I ate that hot ass hot sauce and salsa, dude. It was insane, and, but I could still taste their food, and it was magnificent and i wonder if it's also like a placebo effect like they just get people to eat this super hot salsa and then as soon as you bite into your um california burrito all of a sudden you're just like this is the greatest california burrito i ever had yeah because it's not fucking punishing your mouth <laughs> you have relief from your goddamn uh taste buds now that there's a little bit of avocado <laughs> cooling it off you know it might be the greatest sales strategy of all time I wish I knew the name of that place. It was just some little hole-in-the-wall place in Abilene, Texas. Boy, howdy, was it delicious, though. But anyway, I think it's time we get into the article I found this week, you guys. What about you? What do you say? Should we hop into that? Let's do that. This week, I found one that kind of has always struck my chord. Uh, not, not pulling at the heart streak, just struck a chord with me. Uh, struck the, like, a D, uh... What is it? Drop D chord with me, you know, like a metal core. Like I, I could go in a mosh pit and swing on people after uh, I see this get happening on the Internet. And it's that psychologists have started examining why people engage in sad fishing on the Internet. Now, I haven't read this article yet, but I'm assuming what sad fishing is and what I'm hoping it is, is the people who post bummer posts online um, just to get sympathy things, you know, sympathy likes, sympathy comments. We've all seen it. Hell, we've all done it. I can't imagine if I still had a Facebook, if I went back through, there aren't a couple statuses like, man, I want to show just some people to hang out with today. I guarantee you there's a couple statuses like that. Ooh, God, I'm glad I don't have that to see that horrific archive of my personality from 10, year, 10 years ago. No, there's this podcast instead from the last seven. <laughs> ah, I swallowed down the wrong pipe there, you guys. All right, let's say here. New research published by the Journal of the American College Health investigated the relationship of sad posts or sad fishing to uh, to attract uh, attached styles as well as uh, interpersonal and online support finding uh, 
the findings indicate those who engage in sad fishing online uh, might be more likely to have anxious attachment styles. However, uh, those who engaged in sad fishing did not uh, defer from others in their interpersonal and online support. Social media has become a tool for the social connection, especially for adolescents and emerging adults. Social connection has be it can be sought out in ways both positive and negative. The research team defined sad fishing as a tendency of social media users uh, to publish uh, ex-aggression of emotional states to generate sympathy. Okay, yeah, it's to generate sympathy. Yeah. Engaging in sad fishing may leave individuals vulnerable to reactions when help seeking help. Uh, it also may become a physiological tool or pathological tool, sorry, pathological tool used to manipulate those who, those in their social circle. Both uh, outcomes may result in significant challenges uh, for the sad fisher. Uh, secondly, this, when social media consumers become desensitized to suffering due to the uh, assumption that most people are sad fishing uh those who need help may not get it yeah i think that's the biggest one it's weird how sad uh, so you're you're using this tool you're using this method to get people to feel sorry for you and that's helping you feel better because you feel like people are noticing you and it's true it's like the boy who cried wolf except with uh problems like just with just just trying to get people to hang out with you you know um and it but it doesn't affect you it affects the people around you i guess that's the whole point of the uh the boy who cried wolf you know like these people are stealing the sympathy and there's only so much sympathy you can have go around it's like a, a natural resource just the amount uh, caring or just sympathy or just having any kind of thought capacity to think about people. That's why I I don't know if it's real, but I've heard those like studies and stuff about how, you know, we're built our brains are built for like tribes of like 150 so you could actually care and like take care of that many people or or build relationships with that many people. So we have these online profiles and you have fucking you're following a thousand people or a thousand people follow you and you can have a few interactions with people like it doesn't make any sense <laughs> like your brain can't compete with that i mean i had an incident where something happened where like my girlfriend like commented on like a post of mine and then somebody she's never met who i've known my whole life comments on her posts but they don't even know her and she doesn't know them so it's a fucking weird scenario like that that's weird as shit but then i guess getting back to the analogy that the boy who cried wolf when you just sit there and try to list out your problems getting people to feel sorry for you eventually there's like okay dude you're just literally posting stuff some so we give you some kind of reaction or some kind of thing um and then people who other people are doing it, you're just like, man, I already gave all my sympathy points over to here. I don't have the fucking time to deal with chads, you know. It's uh, and it gets bad. 
uh, yeah, and then you just don't aren't there for people you want. That's why you just I I choose the way that uh, Instagram follows you. You just only post positive things. You never let them know you're sad. <laughs> uh, now that's an unhealthy way to deal with it too. Um, but yeah, there is no great thing. It's uh that's why you gotta. I know it's tough, but you gotta establish those close relationships with people. Those really good ones where you can go just talk to them about your problems. And then you can actually get real sympathy and um, possibly some real help or advice from people you actually trust. That's a good good rule to follow by. Anyway, Kara Pestofer, uh, Petrosif, Petros, and her colleagues aim to discover what psychological elements may motivate some uh, to engage in sad fishing. Uh, their hypothesis stated that they felt sad fishers would be more anxious, uh, attachment style, lower interpersonal, uh, and or online support levels. The research participants were obtained through advertisements on face Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as around the campus of the largest U.S. university. Of a large U.S. university. Uh, this camp pain surged uh, 347 participants these individuals filled out uh, quali- quantitative measures of sad fishing behavior subjects uh, were asked if they've felt compelled to uh, aggregate uh, a person or health situation online uh, these responses categorize individuals into groups of sad fishers and non-sad fishers. Participants were both in both groups uh, then completed an interpersonal support, online social support, and uh, adult attachment style measures. The demographics of the social media uh, usage data were also collected, and participants were found to have very little in both or very similar in both areas when the data was data was analyzed there was no significant difference between sad fishers and non-sad fishers in their interpersonal or social support Uh, those labels of sad fishers were silently more likely to have higher scores on their measure of anxious uh, attachments. Anxious attachments refer to how individuals relate to others, in this case, with the behavior that reflects certain about the uh, abandonment or strength of the relationship. Uh, in concerning the possible explanation of finding uh, of the findings, or for the findings, the research team proposed it follows that if an individual reports more anxious attachment style they may also more likely report a greater tendency to manipulate others uh in their quest to form relationships or bonds interesting so they'll actually try to manipulate people in order to get them to be okay that makes sense and that's in sad fishing would be a form of manipulation i would assume and the research acknowledged that some limitations, including the data not revealed statistically significant relationship between sad fishing and anxious attachment, uh, just a trend towards the meaningful col- uh, correlation. They also recognized that quantitative measures could be developed uh, reliably to identify uh, those who engage in sad fishing. 
Uh, the team concluded by recommending further study and motivation behind sad fishing and approaches that, uh, okay, well, yeah, they, they of course they wanted to uh, keep good doing more research. That's how you get funding, you guys. It is interesting. I read a lot on this show about uh, psychology and the well-being of other people, I feel like, quite a bit. And uh, it's good. Um, but there's things that we're studying that I don't know it, how well they're doing. I guess this one is is important in some ways. I would argue in some ways it's not important. It's not that big of a deal to look into. Um, but if social media is going to be one of those things that's here to stay, even though there were so many of these people kept talking about, oh, it's going to finally collapse, it's going to finally collapse, it's, this is just going to be here forever. So to better understand and learn how it's affecting people's brains, uh, I think it's probably a good thing. It is. Um, but who fucking knows? What I do know is if you want to be entertained more this week, you should go to punninggame.com, guys. That's right, punninggame.com, where you can find T-shirts, hoodies, and all sorts of cool stuff at the Punning Game Shop. Yeah, Punning Game, the Punning Game Shop, guys. You can support the whole website you by buying cool merch of your favorite shows. And by the way, while you're there, listen to the favorite shows you got. Not worth the time, what you're listening to right now. You got Who Gives F with myself and Nathan. You got The Empty Parlor with Matt Lamb. And then you even have all the backlogs of all the podcasts we've had on the website before. Uh, give those all a listen. Have a good time. There's plenty to listen to, you guys. Plenty of stuff. And it's great. A lot of it's all great to be re-listened to. Uh, we really don't do anything that's timely, which is nice. <laughs> uh, so go check all that out. And don't, if you want to watch the show, go to YouTube and search Comic Wade Taylor. That's where you can find that and my half hour Wild Horses and Stand Up and uh, all the podcasts right there at uh, YouTube. Just so Comic Wade Taylor, go check all that out. Um, I don't have any shows as of right now coming up, you guys. Um, actually, that's a lie. I'll tell you this. Uh, January 20th, I'm going to be on No Sleep at Woolies. Uh, so January 20th, if you want to come out uh, and watch me do some stand-up with a bunch of Des Moines finest and uh, come out and vote for me so I can win it and headline it the next one, that would be fucking cool. But uh, that's going to be a great show. That's one you definitely don't want to miss. So uh, be on the lookout for when tickets go on for No Sleep at Woolies. Um, other than that, guys, uh, thank you for tuning in to Not Worth the Time. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. And remember, don't do anything I wouldn't do.